What's up, guys? This is Bryant, the Theological Giant, back in the building for another episode of the City Image Podcast. And y'all, we going to do it today, y'all. We going to do it today. Fam. Fam, allow him to reintroduce himself, man. What up? What Yo, up, what, what up? up? It's your boy, Rich the Counselor. Oh, aka Rich the Husband, <laughs> aka Young Flappers. Yo, back in the building, yo. We know, we, yo. You know, we had to do it, man. We got Rich the Counselor up, back in the building, man. I'm I feel so like glad I'm back home, you. really. Yeah, man. Yo, he's back. For those for the new listeners who don't know, man, this is one of the founders of the City Image Podcast, one of the OGs. Back when we were recording on a turned over hamper, <laughs> we had no equipment. I know. Now we got like fancy mic stands and whatnot. We still ain't all that legit, but you know, we a little bit <laughs> Come better. Come a long way. Though. A long, <laughs> Come long way. A long way. Hey, bro but man bro how you doing i'm good man things are amazing you know just we have a, <clears throat> i have a six-year-old now um wow and uh you know first grade is is different <laughs> and yeah. so you know just dealing with that uh top of the year um just left staff at my church okay uh to start you, you a were pastor um, yeah, yeah so i pastored i was on staff there for two years yeah um and yeah man just really felt like the lord put on my heart that, um, you know, when we talk about pastoring, yeah. um, it's really important that, you know, there's the office of pastor right. and then there's the gift of pastor. Sure, sure, sure. And so God was really showing me like, yo, bro, you kill this gift of pastor, yeah, yeah, but yeah. you suck at being mm. in the pastor, you know, I'll office. dispute that, but I understand what you're trying to say. I understand <laughs> well, what you're trying God to say. Well, God talks to me really bluntly. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like in the meetings, I was just not good. I was just, you know, I just didn't feel like... Man, leading an organization, that's just not in my, you know, the DNA yeah, um, yeah. of just who I am. But the thing I would kill is anytime I was meeting with people and God was just like, hey, what if you just do that all the time? What if that's mm. just what you do? Mm. And I was like, really? I could do that? Mm. That would be great. And so, boom, um, you know, now certified biblical counselor. And wow. now all I do is sit with people and shepherd their souls. And I could not be happier. Yeah, for yeah, sure. yeah. That's dope. That's dope. Spoiler alert: This man is my counselor. Hey, um, ba, 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 ba. Uh, I actually uh, go to see this man as I, you know, talk through the issues of my soul. Yeah, um, yeah. And so, you know, we are going to be talking about just that mental health issues in the church, um, and, and all and all the things that surround that. So, we really wanted to get Rich in to talk about that. He's been in that space now for a little bit. Yeah, for sure. And so, yeah, man, stay tuned. This is the City Image Podcast, episode number This is Bryant, the Theological Giant, and I would like to thank you all again for listening to the City Image Podcast. If you enjoy our content, I would ask that you please subscribe to various outlets that you can find us. We're on iTunes, we're on Spotify, we're on Google Play, we're also on SoundCloud. If you enjoy our content, please share with your friends. A word of mouth goes a long way, and it helps us to gain greater exposure. So you can find us on Facebook, you can find us on Instagram, and you can find us on Twitter at The City Image. Again, thank you so much for supporting The City Image Podcast. 
All right, all right. Welcome back to the City Image Podcast. We have Rich, the counselor, here with us. And we're going to be talking about mental health, man. But I want to want to talk to you. I mean, I've heard the saying uh, before, or not necessarily a saying, but something to the effect Mm -hmm. of people who end up in this field as professional counselors often themselves have a mental health journey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So I wanted to start off just asking you, man, what was your mental mental health journey for yourself and I don't know if that led you to transition into counseling or Mm -hmm. what made you want to transition into counseling but just to start that out man what was your mental health journey yeah that is an amazing question and a very good insight that you had there um you know it's funny I said that I'm a certified biblical counselor but if I'm completely honest the thing that I feel really qualifies me as a certification uh, are all the years that I've struggled with my own mental health. Mm. That's really what allows me to um, feel certified is that right. I'm a certified sufferer. Mm. Um, and <clears throat> I am acquainted with that level of suffering. Um, and so for me, uh, it goes back to uh, 2007, mm. uh, 2007, January 2nd, 2007, I lose my dad. January 2nd, 2011, I have my first panic attack. Mm. Uh, It took me a long time to put those, you know, I'm just saying those dates automatically. You all listening are just like, oh, yeah, that definitely has something to do with it. It fell on the same day. But for me, it took me years to really Mm -hmm. make that correlation. Um, Then shortly after... I become diagnosed with general anxiety disorder or panic disorder. Mm. Um, I'm sure, you know, your listeners out there, you have experienced a panic attack before. Many people have. I have. So you know how scary that can be, right? It's just like, yo, I'm about to die tonight. I'm about Mm. to see Jesus Mm -hmm. in the sky now, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. I'm having a heart attack or Mm -hmm. whatever, right? It's super serious, sweating like crazy, Mm -hmm. right? Okay, so I was experiencing that three to five times a day. Wow. And so the degradation on just, How long did that last? That well, I, last, I mean, still lasting. Mm. Um, yeah, so from 2011 till now, so January 2nd, that's coming up in 2020, is mm. going to be nine years. So, wow. um, yeah, nine years of, to varying degrees, okay. having these major panic attacks daily, weekly. And when it first started, I mean, I was in the emergency room, no lie, maybe once, once a month um, to the point that I used to dap up my EMTs because they knew my name. Wow. (laughs) Like It was just like, yo, they're like, yo, Rich, what's good? Like again? And I'm like, dang, like you should never know your EMT like that. Like the dude who pulls up in the ambulance, you're like, yo, Ronnie, what up? Yo, man, don't say again, man. Don't do that. (laughs) So yeah, man, that has really been the thing. Like, and people always ask me, like, yo, okay, so, like, you're a counselor, so, like, how'd you get past it? I didn't. Matter mm. of fact, two weeks ago, I had a panic attack in session with someone. Wow. And now I have techniques and things that I can do, but I am actually moving through a panic attack while I'm counseling somebody. I just feel, you know, my heart rate going up and things like that. And so yeah. this is just something I live with. Um, this is just something that has now become a part of me, part of my family as well. Um, and so that to answer your question is 100% a part of why I'm doing this because I am trying to help others um, because I know what it's like to suffer uh, in this way and be alone. And even more than the panic attacks, it was the loneliness that hurt the most. Man, that was, that's, that's profound, bro. Like as you were talking, I, I was reminded of what Hebrew says about Jesus as our, as our great high priest. That's right. Well acquainted with well suffering. Well acquainted with suffering and how he is able now to uh, be a adequate high priest because he knows our suffering. Right. And he understood mm-hmm. what, you know, we went through because he was perfected through suffering that's as right. well. Mm-hmm. And it's so crazy because it's in a way counterintuitive because some people would almost think that in order for you to be qualified as a counselor, mm-hmm. you must have overcame your suffering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's you know very I mean? true. Like mm-hmm. you, like it, it's almost like, well, if you are the teacher, that means mm-hmm. you mastered the subject. Mm-hmm. But we don't master suffering. That's right. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. we are in a fallen world. Mm-hmm. We will suffer, mm-hmm. and we're broken people helping other broken people Absolutely. be less Absolutely. broken. 
Yeah, man. I'm sure later on we'll touch on this, but I, I also want to share like how I see my suffering differently now and how I used to pray that God, would you take it away? But what mm. has God, what God's been really revealing to me lately is look at all the ways that it has been to your benefit, but I don't want to jump the gun. Yeah. You know, get yeah. To yeah. 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 That's good, man. So now that you're in that world, yeah. How has it been um, since you've been immersed in the lives of people who struggle with mental health? Mm-hmm. You know, what's that been like for you? Mm. Um, you know, because I'm sure as a pastor, you dealt with in- individuals mm-hmm. who had mental health issues, but now that's literally oh, yeah. what you do, right? So mm-hmm. I can imagine that you're more immersed in that. So what's that been like for you? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So on the me side of things, you're absolutely right. While pastoring, you get a varied, um, you know, you get a list of things that people are going through. Some of it is deep mental health issues, deep spiritual issues. But then also you get like, yo, like I'm thinking about going to this career or that career. Right, right, right. You get like, hey, you know, I'm having some, you know, uh, conflict with my spouse, things like yeah. that. And so you get a full breath. Now... Yeah. I it's get, like counseling <clears throat> on like, hey, how you should deal with like yeah. <laughs> your TV show or, exactly, you know, like exactly. what I should watch. And that's not to diminish <laughs> yeah, those things. It's yeah, more yeah. to say that pastors deal with so many exactly, categories. Exactly. I am much more limited in the category, but I also just spend more time with those in more deep anguish yes. and suffering. So yeah. for me, it has been extremely difficult because... It is very hard to immerse yourself in hours a day of not just people's problems, but the problems that cause them to feel debilitated. The, mm. Like, I I probably have stock in Kleenex now of how many tissues, you know, we go through. People just are just in so much pain. They, they feel they're wow. on the border of sanity wow. many times. And so to be in that space constantly... Um, puts a lot more pressure on me to be just, uh, you know, just having provision for mm-hmm. my own mental health. Like, mm-hmm. um, cause you take it home, bro. Like mm. I, I wish I could say that when I leave the office and I open the door to my house and I see my wife and I see my kids that I, I'm not thinking about my counselees anymore, but mm-hmm. I am, I, I go to sleep with them on my mind mm-hmm. and those situations. And so there's a definite burden. The the shoulders of a counselor must be ripped. You yeah. know, you gotta have bodybuilder shoulders, you wow. know, in this industry because you are entering a space where you're bearing the bur- bearing one another's burden. You you're putting their problem on your back too. Mm-hmm. And man, my my devotion, how much time I'm spending in prayer, you know, how much I'm speaking to God about my counselees, all of that has to be increased lest I buckle under the weight of their issues as well. Mm. Um, in terms of being in the space and just things that I've learned now that I'm, you know, consistently around, you know, mental health sufferers, the biggest statement that I've come to is that people make sense. Mm. There's that person at your job who you're just like, yo, why are you like this? Like you just talk out of turn or you you talk to the boss in a way I would never imagine talking to them. Mm-hmm. Or why does this person always in seclusion? Like, why, why do they just always in the corner? They never come to happy hour. They never come out. Like, what's mm-hmm. up with that? Anytime we've ever questioned why is someone like that? Mm. What I have found getting into the stories of people is that people make sense. Mm. There is a reason that person is like that. And if you were to find out that reason, it would make perfect sense why they are doing that. As a matter of fact, it might even shock you that they're not worse. Wow. And so... And that leads to greater empathy. Absolutely, man. So proximity leads to empathy. And so one of the things I thank God for being in this space now is that I have gained so much proximity to the issues, to the suffering, that now I have immense levels of empathy for those suffering in this space. Mm, mm, mm. So, and, and I mean, I know from personal experience, you're the type of person that you're not just going to keep in contact when you have an official session. Like I've gotten texts from mm-hmm. you. I've gotten, for sure, for sure. you know, encouraging mm-hmm. words from you. For I can sure. tell you're thinking about people outside of 
the session, yeah, right? Absolutely. Because you have a you have a natural caring heart. Mm-hmm. So I mean, how? Like, what does it look? Are you praying more? Mm-hmm. Like, do you go to counseling? Yeah. How are you dealing with that yeah. to keep yourself healthy overall mm-hmm. to deal with? Like, I'm now taking on the burdens of many people going through significant things. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, shout out to my wife because mm-hmm. she is really, <laughs> I may go to counseling, but she's <laughs> really my counselor. Wow. Uh, in terms of the person that's my sounding board. Right. You know, I'm not sharing names, but I am like, man, there's someone that I'm meeting with and they're, they're suffering in this particular way and it's weighing on me. Um, so a couple things, one is, um, absolutely praying for the person because I'm not just praying to God that he would take away the feeling I have of the weight of that person's problem. Mm -hmm. Instead, I'm going to God and praying on behalf of the person interceding for them, on this issue, the reason why that's different is because when I go to God to pray about them, it fills me with hope. Mm. If I just pray to God that he would take away the weight, then it's not putting me in a position where I'm expectant for things to change in that person's life. That's good, bro. And so what, what I found is I have to actually do the same thing I'm telling my counselees to do, which is to go to the throne with the problems. Mm. And I find When I am going to the throne with their issue, it is a parallel to them going to the throne for their issue because I am also experiencing the weightlessness Mm. of going to God, feeling the burden of their issue, but then surrounding myself with the hope of Jesus Christ, how that alleviates a lot of the stress Mm -hmm. of thinking about that issue and I am then encouraged that God is going to do the same thing for my counselee. Mm. And so um, that's one of the major things that I do. On a more practical level, um, one of the things that I do is have things that completely remove me from um, the counseling space. So Mm. once I come home, take my bag off, like I just jump into some like, comedy or jump into some video games or call of duty though word. you already know get that. <laughs> or that dragon ball fighters you though already know. So, the y'all, game. Y'all, y'all have to say we have like a real relationship we actually friends word, i know word, how this word. man works exactly so <laughs> once i get that controller in my hand it is helpful i have to take it off mm. because the way i'm built what helps me in the counseling room is that i am it's very easy for me to support people and and empathize and get close to their situation where that works against me is that it's hard for me to take it off. Mm. You know, I can become that darkness can make it dark for me too. So Mm. it's really important that when I come home, I just do something completely different or just, you know, if my daughter's up, yo, let's just watch some Disney plus shout out to Disney plus. (laughs) Disney plus is now the third parent in our home, but (laughs) that was just a commercial. But yeah, like just whatever, like I just need to, you know, just take my, my mind off. And then the next day I can come back to it. But sometimes it's just so fresh that I just have to take it. So really the, the prayer time, um, just speaking their name, speaking their situation before God. And then the, just practical application of doing something else. Those two things have really helped. That's good, man. Mm-hmm. I, something you said that was so, so profound to me is how, you know, your time with the Lord, you know, creates hope. Yeah. And, you know, obviously you want your, your counselors to experience that hope. And it just really speaks to, to, to the power of hope. And like that right there, you know, it's almost like for you to survive in this, you also have to be hopeful about the outcome. Come on, exactly. Like, you have to believe that change yes. can happen. Because, bro, to be real, this is the real, real behind the scenes. There are many times where a counselor will sit across me, say a situation, and my initial reaction is, I don't know how the heck you're going to get out yeah. of it. <laughs> I don't have hope in that. Oh, my God, that's crazy. <laughs> right? And you sit there with a poker face like, Yeah, mm, like, mm, mm. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm never going to show that. But, you know, there's if you show times. that, then they get alarmed like, oh, exactly. dang, this joint is as bad as I thought. Exactly. So a peek into my mind. There are mad times where I'm just like, bruh, praise God I'm not in that situation. I don't know what the heck I would do. Mm. But that is exactly the reason where I have to go to Jesus. Because if I don't do that, I'm going to be a 
hopeless counselor and yeah. what good is that and that's that's not good and then that'll eventually find its way into your counseling absolutely i will disciple them in hopelessness yeah mm-hmm. that's crazy bro so i want to ask this question because i when people hear the term mental health mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right or counseling or going to get counseling yeah I think people have in their mind this idea of like Arkham Asylum, like mm. really crazy, <laughs> like dude, you know, you got like real crazy issues. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. like I, you the one, you're the type of person that needs mental health when you're mm-hmm. on that level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what I found, what I've tend to realize, and, and honestly, it's my, it's my personal belief that everybody needs counseling. I would agree with that. Okay. Yes. I'm glad you agree with that. Yes. I I honestly feel like as broken people living in a fallen world, you will experience trauma on some level. Yes. Right. Even if it's temporary, like, oh, you just recently experienced the loss of a loved one. Mm -hmm. Even if you just need counseling for two or three weeks. Yes. Like, I think at some point everybody needs counseling, but that's not the, that's not the view that I think most people have. People think, oh, counseling's for the crazy people. Yeah, absolutely. So I think what that does is that leads to a lack of self-awareness in Mm -hmm. terms of like, actually identifying when it's time to actually seek out a counselor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would ask you, how can we become more self-aware of like, okay, actually, man, I'm hurting and I need to go seek a counselor. How would you help someone understand that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I've been in a car accident before, and I'm sure many listeners, you've experienced something like that. And, um, you know, I've been in a a few car accidents now that have been serious and some that have been like real minor. Mm -hmm. And so many times the conversation goes like this. Yeah, I was in a little bumper. You know, I bumped the car, you know, not too much damage to the car. Yo, but are you okay? Yeah, Mm -hmm. I'm straight, though. Yeah, you should you should go get checked out. Nah, I'm good. Mm. Nah, bro, you just got hit by a car, though. Like you, mm-hmm. not you got, but like you, you know, you, you your car hit another car. Right. That could cause something. You know, your your brain. You know, like there's all yeah. kinds of trauma in your neck. Yeah, you're not gonna feel it right now, but you yeah. might feel it tomorrow. You should yeah. go get checked out. All right, cool. I'm gonna go. Okay. What I what makes what breaks my heart is that that conversation doesn't happen when it's emotional. Mm. Sometimes you have an emotional car accident Mm. and you might feel like you're okay. But the same reason why your friend in the car accident scenario says you should get checked out is that they understand the nature of trauma. Mm. Many times you don't feel the ramifications of trauma until much later. Mm. And so you have a confidence that things are okay because your analysis comes too quickly. Mm. And so we don't actually have that kind of care and concern when it comes to what's happening to us on the inside. And so unfortunately we have emotional internal bleeding. We have emotional whiplash. Mm -hmm. We have emotional concussions. And because at the time of the breakup or at the time of the death of the loved one, you did the analysis and you said, Oh, I'm straight. No one in your community said you should get checked out. Mm -hmm. And so now you're walking around with an issue that could have been minimized or even removed. Mm -hmm. Had you got, had you went and got help. And so I really believe that counseling um, is very helpful because it's a mirror. You Mm -hmm. know, I always tell people that the counseling happens when you leave Mm -hmm. because as good as a conversation that we're going to have in that room, a lot of it is just going to come from the self-talk that you're going to have outside of the room. You Mm -hmm. know, are you going to imbibe the things that we said? Are you going to take to heart? Are you going to do the homework, you know, to, to make it right? Um, And so the counseling allows us to have a third person perspective on our issues. The same way if you eat a pizza and you're like, man, I kind of feel like I got some sauce on my face. You would go to a mirror and check, right? There's no way for you to see your own face. And in the same way, the counselor's job is to hear what you're saying and to provide a third person perspective on, well, actually you said this, this, and this, this completely paints a picture of, past family hurt or Mm. this is what you grew up in or you're not actually over that Mm. oh wow i never realized i never put two and two together and so i've had that moment as a counselor and a counselee and so Mm. um you cannot trust yourself to see yourself Mm. and so 
in terms of when someone should go see a counselor, I look at it as going for a checkup. Like you go for a physical. Mm -hmm. I think every person should have an annual checkup that they go see a counselor just to see how things are going Mm. in the same way that you would also after some kind of traumatic event go get checked out i also think that and these are just the basic rules of thumb this is not exhaustive of why you should see a counselor but in turn if i was going to prescribe something to everyone i would say annual checkup physical annual checkup mental and emotional Mm. and after any traumatic event such as breakups family loss job loss you know, um, death in the family, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, those are absolute. Those are absolutely times where you should go talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What would you say? Like, you know, maybe if you're just paying attention to certain thoughts, mm-hmm. like, you know, um, does does a freak does does the frequent frequency of certain like thought patterns, maybe anxiety attacks mm-hmm. or. I don't know, things that lead to addiction. Mm -hmm. Like, do you think that that should trigger like when somebody should go or like, is there sort of like, okay, you know, understandably, like people are going to have thoughts that are erratic and Mm -hmm. evil at times. But is there is there a time when it's like, man, that thought was so disturbing Mm -hmm. or this behavior was is so addictive or Mm -hmm. or something where it's like you go, okay. Mm -hmm. Like I should go get checked out, mm-hmm. you know, and like, or is it just, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. I, Cause I'm trying to, I, I'm trying to get at like, maybe it's just like a frequency kind of thing happening or. Yeah. In terms of like, and that's hard, you know, like there's every situation is so different. Yeah. Uh, it's so new, unique, but one of the ways, one of the filters I would want someone to filter those experiences through is through the lens of entertainment. How, how much are you entertaining that thought? So yeah. for example, um, let's say there's a wife and a husband and, uh, the husband comes to the wife and is just like, yo, I just want to confess, you know, like, um, you know, I, there's a girl at my job and, you know, she was kind of coming on to me and honestly, like she was texting me. I did hit her back a couple of times, but you know, nothing happened. Mm-hmm. There's a very big difference between someone flirting with you and you being like, yo, I'm married, fall back. Mm-hmm. versus them flirting with you and you have a couple text conversations back and forth and then you put the stop to it mm-hmm. because that means that they tapped into something already existing in your heart when you entertain it right mm-hmm. and so i may have a thought around you know maybe have a suicidal thought am i actually moving to a place of entertaining that thought Mm -hmm. to me, that is a much greater indication that you need to go get counseling because you kind of texted back and forth with suicide. Mm. You didn't just say, yo, suicidal thought. What? No, never. Yeah. Like, no, I've, my life is valuable. I I don't, I don't know how that thought came in. Get behind me. Satan. Right. Or you flirted with it. And so that to me is a lens you can use to really, you know, kind of filter. And that's so key, too, because we need to understand that all kinds of thoughts enter into the head. Come on, bro. At all times. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Right. And so sometimes even just the the presence of a thought can be alarming. Absolutely. But what's much more alarming is your response. Come on. Like the response to the thought that came into your head. And whether it's a quick, Mm. that was ridiculous, get Mm -hmm. that out of here. Or, man, you know, maybe this is something I could pursue. Exactly. It is is good. So I like how you set up that dichotomy. Because Mm -hmm. what I want people to understand is moment by moment, you have to be paying attention to yourself. Yes. Paying attention to what. What thoughts are coming to your head, you know, monitoring the frequency, your response to it, you know, because having a a, a deeper self-awareness is what's going to identify whether, you know, maybe I should go get this checked out. So I'm I'm glad you you made that you made that clear, man. So sure. But obviously, there's still stigma behind it. Right. And unfortunately, like, I think that. There's still a shame culture around I'm going to get counseling. Yes, absolutely. Right? It's it's still there. I don't know where it came from. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you have any thoughts on where that came from, but yeah, for yeah. some reason there's still a shame culture around 
getting counseling. So what would you say to somebody mm-hmm. who is like on the fence about it, mm-hmm. still struggling with, you know, feel like I'll tough it out. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I just need Jesus. I'm good. Right. right you right. know, what would you say to somebody thinking that way? Yeah, that definitely 100% exists. Um, unfortunately, counseling tends to be synonymous with crazy in our mm-hmm. hearts. Yeah. Um, but I want to take the opportunity, though, to celebrate that I really feel like currently that's mm. lifting, mm. that a lot more people are becoming uh, more comfortable with it. It's getting so much more media attention. Yeah, true. So many superstars, actors, athletes, you know, people, you know, influencers, quote mm-hmm. unquote. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people are coming out and talking about the their different struggles with mental health. So. As much as the stigma 100% still exists, I I do want to celebrate that that is shifting and that is changing. Um, It is still difficult, though, uh, because we have a culture, um, especially in the black and brown spaces, which is what I am. And I spend a lot of time counseling uh, black and brown folks. And man, it's it's especially toxic there. Especially amongst our men, um, I was just about to ask: Did you did you notice a difference between how yeah, men and women respond? Yeah, absolutely. Like um, there is a strength that you know. You look at and even in hip hop, hip hop could really be a case study on trauma, mm. where the same Come things on, the same things that people go to counseling for are the things that people consider to be stripes or that give them credibility in the music. For mm-hmm. example, I ain't grow up with no dad. That doesn't, that's not cool. But in the music, <laughs> it's almost like, Oh, that's cool. Or I killed this many people or my homie died. And it's just mm-hmm. like, these songs are, you know, when we listen to this, it's like, Oh man, this dude is so hard. Like he's so gangster or whatever, yeah. but really he's just injured. He's victimized, right? And so it's almost like we are competing to see who grew up worse. Like, oh, you had a mom. I had no mom, no dad. So I'm harder than you. And it's like, no, you're in more need of help and a hug than me. And so it's just... It's just so toxic, the environments that many of us grew up in where we were taught that is actually... Some our trauma is actually something to be celebrated rather than something uh, to be treated. Hmm. Um, but outside of that, I would say breaking the stigma, there's no easy way around it hmm. until we push through the stigma that counseling doesn't equal crazy and more people go, it will still be a stigma. The yeah. only way to break the stigma is to go. Yeah. And you will have to just endure mom Uncle, friends, joking on you, yeah, clowning you. There is no way to avoid that. Yeah. It's just the way the culture is right now in terms of seeing something that is 100% healthy as 100% unhealthy or something you don't need. Yeah. Um, but it's really funny because mental health and the stigmas around it tend to be in parallel with how we see physical health. So the same Mm. people that are telling you, yo, you don't need no counseling. They're the same people who don't go to the doctor. They're the same people who got high blood pressure, don't even know about it. So it's just like, you don't even have a a paradigm for health in general. Come on. And so these are not the kinds of people we need to take any kind of health cues, mental or (laughs) physical from. It's not like you're, you know, this person, it's very rare to find somebody who's just like absolutely fit. I'm a physical trainer. You know, I'm all about physical fitness and nutrition. What mental? Nah, you don't need that. It tends to be those who are in tune with what health actually means, who then become advocates for both physical and mental health. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because you mentioned uh, rappers and toughness. And I think one of the things that uh, mental health or seeking mental health kind of connotates is that you're weak. Absolutely. Right. So if you go to see a counselor, it's like you're admitting you're you're weak and you're you're defenseless Mm -hmm. and you need help. And it's crazy because 
what 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 people need to understand is that not, number one we're all weak, but we show that weakness in different ways. That's right. So you might think you're tough, but if you're smoking weed all the time mm-hmm. and, and getting high and having sex, yeah. you are becoming dependent on that thing. Absolutely, it's just a means of escape to escape, yeah. right? And so we're all going to lean in and be dependent on something to Absolutely. deal with the pain, to deal with the trauma, mm-hmm. right? And so it's like people are walking around, you know, high on lean, but they think that I'm. I'm a tough guy now because you know I don't need nobody. Correct, right? But you you do need something, and you're leaning into that thing and becoming addicted to it, mm-hmm. right? And so it's like, well, I think once you recognize that there's there's weakness and and there's going to be the, the need to find relief mm-hmm. somehow, mm-hmm. why not do it in a healthy way? Absolutely. Why well, not do it in a way where you know you won't become engage in anything any self destruction? Absolutely. Right? And I always tell people. It's going to come out. Yeah. It's just a matter of with who and how. Right. And it is so much better to have a controlled environment where you can let that emotion go versus it come out in some kind of outburst or in some kind of self-harm. Yes. Um, And so there you can avoid the counseling, but you can't avoid the aftermath. Mm. Right. Something is going to occur. It is going to explode. Yeah. And I'd rather have a controlled environment where it's safe to explode here versus environments where it can happen at work, at home. Uh, or just continual small explosions in your heart like anxiety. That's good. That's good, man. Well, I wanted to shift now to um, the church and, you know, mental health uh, as it happens in the church and the church's kind of response to it. What are some of the ways you've noticed the church responding to mm-hmm. mental health issues? Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> well... I also want to take the opportunity and celebrate that the church's response has gotten so much better. Okay. That's um, good. Personal story. Um, I, you know, I really think I want to get their names right. Two pastors, Andrew Stockling, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And Jared Wilson. These are two pastors who committed suicide. Mm-hmm. Jared in, in this year, 2019 and Andrew last year, mm-hmm. those two individuals rocked me to my core because mm-hmm. they weren't just pastors who, were struggling and committed suicide. These were mental health advocates who were still uh, overcome by that darkness. Um, and what it what it showed me in that moment is like, man, it doesn't matter your position. There is no one who has invincibility over this hmm. thing. And for a long time, I was convinced that because I am a Christian, I am immune to mental health struggles. And mm. then when I started to experience mental health struggles, I had a dichotomy of the mind where I was just like, well, but I have Jesus. How could I? Uh, yeah. How could I? You know? Yeah. And then to see these two brothers, it was just like, oh, wow, we are like, there is no invincibility. Like we all need to engage this problem head on. Mm-hmm. Uh, being a Christian is not invincibility towards this thing. And so I started to really get into their stories and man, their sermons, man, if you are suffering, these brothers had some amazing sermons around um, just mental health and the scriptures and how you can attain so much peace from uh, your relationship with the Lord. Mm. And it's so crazy that in death they have ministered to me. Mm. Um, So I must say the church has shifted. I've seen a lot of people's responses, particularly to those individuals passing um, as just like a wake up call to, Hey, we got to do something different. Mm. Historically, it's really unfortunate because remember I told you the biggest thing the, the the biggest pain point of the issue wasn't my anxiety it was my loneliness mm-hmm. and what happens is when the church's response is just pray when the church's response is just Jesus and it's not you right Jesus is trying to love me through my relationship with you through friendship through uh being under a shepherd mm-hmm. and you have removed that aspect of Christ's love that he, he's trying to express in the body right mm-hmm. in, in community it takes 
away the the darkness and the to me the darkest part of suffering in this when you feel like you're not understood where you feel like you're not cared for when you feel like an oddity when you feel like you're completely ostracized from your group when people feel like you're too much for them Mm. all of those things are much larger pain points in my opinion than the the issues of depression and anxiety and things like that themselves and so when your response as a church isn't saturated with, hey, how can we be there for you? Hey, how can we show up? Hey, what do you need in terms of an us response? Not just praying for me, but that you'll come over. Not just praying for me, but that you'll call me. Not just praying for me, but you'll you'll be more understanding when I might ramble in a conversation or when I might be talking about the same thing all the time. Or when I don't show up for things, you're going to be much faster to respond and and hit me up and help me to feel included. To me, when your response is absent of that, it is not showcasing Jesus in the moment. Hmm. Because the same Christ that you're calling me to go pray to is the same one who's encouraging you to go to me. Mm, Bars, (laughs) bruh. Come on, bro. And I feel you on that, man. Like because I think sometimes there's a tendency to just theologize things like, oh well, you know, Christ will help you persevere to the end and we start theologizing mm-hmm, theologizing mm-hmm. things and it's like that's not a replacement from like actually going to care for people though. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> like like yes, God provides spiritual care mm-hmm. care, but he, he uses people. Absolutely. And there are real consequences when we don't stand in the gap and we don't reach out. Absolutely. You know, like it doesn't, you know, okay, yes, a person who ends up committing suicide, well, if they're in Christ, they may still end up in heaven. Yeah, Correct. no one's disputing that. Right. But that, I mean, we could have avoided that possibly yeah. if, if we, you know, uh, made the effort, the concerted effort to care, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, in church, in terms of churches actually doing this practically, man, do you feel like? And this has always just been my, you know, personal thing because yeah. I've had a lot of thoughts on churches and mental health. And, yeah, you know, I don't know if all my thoughts are are clear. Some of it comes from my own, per, per, you know, past hurts and yeah, pains, yeah. right, and trauma. But you know, I'm I'm of the <coughs> I am of the opinion that. I think churches should, one of the first ministries that a church should develop is a counseling ministry. Yeah, I agree. You know, like, mm-hmm. and I, I love I love justice ministries. I love mm-hmm. all the other things that we spread out, you know, basketball league for the kids. Mm-hmm. I love all that stuff. But I feel like our primary duty, right, preach the gospel, but to care mm-hmm. for people when they come in, mm-hmm. right? And I, I don't think we oftentimes see discipleship as actually caring for someone's mental health, mm-hmm. we see discipleship as teach doctrine, mm-hmm. right? Like make sure they understand Christianity and can preach the gospel and evangelize. And But a, an essential part of that discipleship yeah, is yeah. helping someone think through their emotional health, their mm-hmm. mental health. And, and, and moving forward in that mm-hmm. way, right? And it's, it's, so sometimes it's been frustrating when I... You know, enter spaces and I feel like that's just not on the radar at mm-hmm. all. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, I do think that as a church, we have to we have to showcase Christ's concern for um the, the thoughts that we think um and our emotional state. Um I think a cheat code, and so this is something that I don't see employed a lot. And this is something that you can do today. You don't have to be, and this is kind of also for pastors. Like you don't have to feel like, oh man, I'm not, I don't have a degree in psychology. Mm. Therefore I can't really speak to now. So one of the easiest things, and this can be for you just stepped in church versus, you know, you're a pastor, anything ask, ask the person how best you can support them. You'll be shocked that most people who are experiencing um, mental health issues, they usually have a really good idea of a way that you could be helpful because many times we are just silently suffering and mm. we're just silently wishing. And so there are many times where it's just like, ah, oh, man, like I'm going to these small groups or I'm going to Sunday or I'm going to, you know, mission trips, but I just don't feel like I have a friend. Oh, wow. Okay. You don't feel like you have a friend. Why is that? 
you know, I just, you know, after church, I, you know, I'm not really social and I see everybody just kind of get in their groups and talk and I'm just kind of to the side and I'm like wishing someone would talk to me. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. So if you were to approach this person and say, well, how can we really be supportive? I would love spaces where I can start to develop some friendships, ones that aren't just completely skewed to the extroverted, but ones where maybe it's smaller interest groups or, you know, maybe you can get me connected to people who are interested in the same stuff I am. Mm. Or maybe do you guys have a group where, you know, maybe a bunch of people who also suffer from, you know, anxieties and depression, we kind of come together and talk about it. Do you guys have a group like that? it provides you with action steps because before you just had, man, this person just looks sad all the time and they don't talk to nobody. Mm. But now it's, Oh, they desire a relationship. They just don't know how to get into one. That's actually a much easier problem to solve than depression. Right. Mm. And so, uh, I would highly encourage, um, those of you who know, meaning the person has already expressed to you that they are suffering uh, in a in a in a mental illness or mental health kind of a way, and don't just assume, but they've already expressed that to you. The next best question is, if you were in charge, what would be the way that you would feel best supported by me? Because a lot of times we churches feel like they're killing it, and it's mm. not that they're not putting out an effort. Most churches feel like they are doing something that's helpful to the community of sufferers who suffer, you know, in anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts, those kind of things. They, they think they are, but I think a better question is to ask this, the very same people who are suffering with it, how they feel, how is it landing? Mm. Right. Don't just assume that you're speaking their love language because you could not be. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Quick technical question though. Mm. Do you think that churches should, outsource these deeper mental health issues to professionals Mm -hmm. to churches if you have the resources bring someone on staff Mm -hmm. to do this yeah uh is it okay if just pastors handle it Mm -hmm. if they if they have a small enough congregation like on the technical side of things like how do you feel like that should just be carried out yeah i think a lot of it has to do with your church like if you're a church plant who's been out for six months your capacity to uh, you know, address these issues very different than the established church that's been there for 40 years. Sure. Um, so I do think that as a pastor, you have an ability to engage the scriptures and um, to be able to reach in and care for the, the souls of the people that you are pastoring over. That's part of your job as a pastor, right? Um, you care and can bring truth in love to the people in your congregation. Now, are there situations where I think it should be outsourced to an outside professional? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I always say sometimes you're counseling character, but sometimes you're counseling chemicals, right? Mm. And so if you're dealing with someone who's bipolar or if you're dealing with someone who has dissociative identity disorder, formerly known as schizophrenia. Right. So like <clears throat> that's a that's not something that a pastor is trained on how to handle. Right. And so I do think that if someone has a form of a formal diagnosis, that that more often than not should be a situation where you're outsourcing to a now, I would say a, a Christian counselor, because here's the other thing. I truly believe that care should be a relationship between the counselor and the pastor. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult when you are going to see somebody to address issues of your heart, issues of your mind, and they are not they are not immersed in uh, seeing Christ as the center of human flourishing. Mm. And so... You almost have to eat the meat, spit out the bones there, then come back, talk to the pastor about the ways in which it aligns biblically. And so I think it's just... um, In other words, we're not trying to separate Christ from counseling. Exactly. It's not that... You want someone counseling from a Christian... From a Christian worldview. And so... um, And that's because that's just... We really see Jesus as the focal point for all health related issues, whether that's physical, mental, emotional, psychological, whatever 
word you want to put in front of health, yeah. Jesus is still the focal point. Yeah, and that doesn't mean we just slap a Bible verse on everything. Exactly. Or you don't need medicine or anything. Right. It doesn't mean that, but yeah. it does mean that at the core, mm-hmm. we're, we're operating from mm-hmm. that center mm-hmm. and addressing things biblically. And obviously, yes, mm-hmm. we may need other things, mm-hmm. but that core is never taken out, right? Yeah, and, so. and I, you know, I hate that science divide, but like, just because... Uh, psychologically you may be able to perceive that okay this person is 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 dissociating and and almost creating another persona right this doesn't mean that this isn't the same mind that god created and has authority over mm-hmm. and so when we completely just give over to science or medical community to talk about an issue, they are essentially talking about something they didn't make. Mm -hmm. Right. And Mm -hmm. when we are, when we're doing Christian counseling and someone's coming from a Christian worldview, we are also considering the intention of the organ. We're also considering the intention of our creation and how it all works together. And you cannot talk about the body without talking about the one who created that body. That's good. So, and so good. Um, yeah, that would be my suggestion that it would be in tandem because I also feel like your pastor is the ultimate human shepherd over your life. And so you know, I don't think that your counselor should, I think there should be a conversation with them around with your pastor, who is the one, you know, spiritually holding responsibility over the guidance of, you know, where you're going in life. And so um, it's not that they take over that job, but it's really like, hey, in my sessions, I am seeing, and this is what, is what I'm doing. I'm having conversation with, with pastors and just like, hey, this is what I'm seeing. They came to me. I saw this. This is what I think the next move is. What do you think? Because mm-hmm. oftentimes the pastor is the one who's got the relationship with them. Mm-hmm. They've known them for six, seven years, sending them out to me. I'm meeting them for an hour for four times. It would be really weird for me to just then assume shepherding authority over that person. So um, I think the optimal scenario is that the pastor is the one that is providing that soul care, recognizing where, okay, this needs another set of eyes or someone with a different set of training to look at it. And ultimately it becomes a roundtable discussion on what we do next. Mm, That's good, man. I mean, do you have any uh, sort of uh, maybe thoughts for someone who might be in a church where they feel like they're not getting that level of care or their pastor's not open to it? Or mm-hmm. like, how should they respond in that situation where they feel like, oh, you know, I do have these mental issues. My church might not be t- t- too inviting to even talk about that. Mm-hmm. How would you say they should respond to that? Yeah. So, you know, I really, well, one, that's heartbreaking. I hate you know, it is the truth, but it does break my heart that there are people who are in situations who are attempting to uh, reach out to their uh, spiritual leaders about these issues. And they don't either don't want to talk about it or even don't want to talk to them. Um, there are resources and communities outside of your church that um, you can get around. Like I said, coming from a Christian worldview is optimal, but. I do think even being a community around people who are just fellow sufferers in the mental health space um, is helpful, too. And so uh, online communities are great. You Mm -hmm. know, there could be Facebook groups you could join. There are so especially if you live in New York City where we are, there are so many groups. uh, uh, Thrive NYC um, has a lot of different resources. Other churches have groups. I'm not saying leave your church, but. Um, many churches have groups where uh, they have, you know, just a bunch of you know people who are suffering in that way coming together, and it could be like, hey, I go to my church, but on Wednesday nights I go to this other church's like mental health advocacy group, and mm. you know I'm able to share there with people because at the end of the day it's the kingdom, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, no church is perfect, and so it's okay to say, hey, my church doesn't do this, but I still feel called to it. Um, but I am going to supplement with a resource that may be even provided by another church. Um, and I think that that's okay. It, yeah. And hopefully you can even wisely sort of advocate in your church, Yeah, absolutely. you know, kind of press the issue respectfully, mm-hmm. obviously, but yeah. you know, you can be that, that mm-hmm. possible change agent. Yeah. And I think you bring up a good point there. Like 
one of the benefits that could come from you being at like another group is one, you can speak to how they're doing it because a lot of times a church may not want to engage it because one, they don't know how, and two, they don't have anyone to lead it. Mm. Um, you could, I, you could be one or both of those things. And so it could be good for you to be a part of another group, see how it runs. Maybe there's even a curriculum you go through acquire that maybe there's a training associate and say, Hey, you know, my pastor, you go to them and you say, Hey, you know, um, you know, I've been talking about this for a while, but I, I know there's just a lack of resources or just kind of even what to do. I went to this other church. They had a training on, um, you know, alcoholism. And I really, this is how it's benefited me. You know, I haven't had a drink in the last nine years. Um, and I've been going to that group for a long time and I actually got trained and I can start a group and mm. I really feel like I could start one here and, um, you know, and just kind of have it on, on Tuesdays, if that's cool. And it's like, oh, wow. Not only did you have a concern, you also put in some legwork in terms of mm. trying to make it happen. And a lot of times that's helpful because having been in leadership at a church, there are a million issues mm. that need groups. There are a million topics to preach about. That's good. And, you know, it feels like not doing, or it feels like doing one is also not doing the others. And it yeah. is, but it, it's not right. to say that they don't want to. And so, um, you coming to the table with an idea and a means of which to do it could be very valuable. Yeah. I think sometimes if you feel passionate about something that's God laying on your heart that you could possibly be a solution to what you're, what you're passionate about. Yeah. I always tell people really look at the thing you pound the table for, because many times that's really God calling you into that space to do kingdom work. It's good. It's good, man. Rich, man. Thank you so much, bro. Yeah, It's been a pleasure for for coming through, man. So this man, like I said, is doing this counseling thing full time. Um, and I can say from personal experience, the man knows what he's doing. You know, he's been a complete that, blessing in, in my life. You know, he's helped me through some of the most, you know, intimate situations in my life, mm-hmm. man. And I would wholeheartedly recommend this man. That's what's up, man. You know, so if somebody is looking for counseling, man, in the New York City area, yeah, how yeah. can they reach you? Got you. So that is a little bit more difficult now. Um, we could probably get into this maybe in another episode, but I'm actually unfollowable now on social media. Okay. And so that makes you a better counselor. You uh, plugged but, out of the matrix. <laughs> yeah. So honestly, and I'll be brief here. Honestly, I'd made that move a couple months ago to not just delete the apps, but to delete my account period. Um, if really in solidarity with my counselees, there has not been one person that I have met with that has not benefited from a significant, significant meaning 30 day to six month long hiatus from social media and hasn't experienced intense levels of transformation, both spiritually and emotionally. Wow. So I just couldn't sit there any longer and see all of this growth from my counselees, from remove, from just not being in that space. Um, and so I was just like, man, am I, am I, do I have to be here? And that was really the question I asked, do I, am I really like, is it just a meme factory? Am I just kind of liking people's vacation photos? Like, am I actually using this in a way that I absolutely have to do? And I Mm -hmm. didn't. And I removed myself completely. I'm unfollowable. And that act not and, you know, I'm not proselytizing this. I'm not saying you all have to do this. But, but you are low-key convicting everybody. <laughs> but here, here's what I tell people. You know, whenever I'm cooking and I have and I'm chopping up some vegetables. If I have a knife in my hand, there's just a level of innate caution that's in my head. Yo, watch your fingers. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it out loud. And but absolutely there's a respect I have for that knife. Yeah, it is benefiting me by chopping up this tomato or whatever. But at any moment, any moment, Doc. it could chop my finger off. <laughs> yeah. So I'm handling it with care. We don't do that with Facebook. We don't do that with IG. Mm. We don't well. recognize we don't we don't respect it enough to not just see it as only a benefit and not just remember in the back of our mind that at any moment we could slip and we could chop our fingers off socially and emotionally. Yes. It is the hotbed of comparison. Yes. It is, it is causing people to feel like their life is tragic when it isn't. Mm -hmm. It is crazy to me how many people have been driven to killing themselves 
based on situations that 20 years ago would have been celebrated as great lives. Wow. And so it is at an alarming rate that I'm seeing people who in any other lens outside of the lens of social media are doing fantastic. This Mm. idea that you have to be a millionaire at 35 years old or own a business or be killing it or doing all this traveling, that pressure alone could be the very thing that is causing you immense amounts of pain and immense amounts of depression and discouragement at your job. So good. And so... And Um, all you see is people taking pictures Mm -hmm. and acting like they're happy. Yes. And they're not. They're also sad. They're also going through a lot. But you see the picture perfect Mm -hmm. life that they're living and you see, oh, date night Mm -hmm. and I'm single and you see all this. You're sad and depressed. And they just got into a huge argument with. Absolutely. (laughs) Things ain't looking good on their end. Absolutely. But you are comparing yourself essentially to a fantasy. Yes, exactly. And. Um, when you don't feel like you align with that, what seems so normal, because it seems like everyone else is doing it and everyone else is having success, it makes you feel like, well, something must be wrong with me. And so all of that now I can already hear the people listening, but, 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 but what if you, what if you use Facebook just to like tell people you love them? Or what if like my grandma, (laughs) my grandma, like that's the only way I'm able to talk to her. Yes, I know. But grandma also, if she's on Facebook, I would imagine you could text her. And so I'm again, I'm not saying you have to do it because let me also say there are things I'm missing out on. There Mm. are birthdays, there are invites to stuff that I just don't see. Yeah. And, but I had to weigh that against the pain. I had to weigh that against how I'm seeing myself And the level of confidence that I have now is even visible to people in my family. They're like, yo, like you, you are able to speak in a way now that exudes a confidence I've never seen in you. And that's because I'm not being bombarded by thoughts that I'm not good enough. That's so good. And so, um, yeah. So in terms of how you could get in touch with me, (laughs) he said all that to say, (laughs) um, not through social media. Now you can follow my practice. So my practice called reliant counseling, R E L I A N T counseling, because, well, I called it that because as you are reliant on me, I'm reliant on the Holy spirit, the paraclete, the counselor. That's good. And so um, I always want that to, you know, that's the heartbeat of what we do. We are all reliant on God um, to be our counselor. So, but you can, you can follow Reliant Counseling on Instagram. There's like one post on there. So I'm, <laughs> I'm saying this in shame almost. If anybody's really good at Instagram, please hit me up. Help me to be able to do that well. Um, but you can go to the website, ReliantCounseling.com. You can either click on the marriage link if you, you know, you're in a relationship or you want to get engaged or you just have questions in that regard. Or you can just click on the individual counseling tab and that's going to take you to a way that you can email me. It goes straight to me. Yeah. If you want to email me, you can email me at rich, R-I-C-H at ReliantCounseling.com. Um, and yeah, that's a direct way you can uh, communicate and get something going. Um, so those two ways, the email address and the website are the uh, two ways that you can contact me. And if you're in the Brooklyn area, the office is near Prospect Park. Or even if you're not in Brooklyn, and you don't mind driving. Um, that's where we are, Prospect Park, Brooklyn. We'd love to have you. Um, and if you are in the area and you listen into this episode and you're just like, I really want to engage um, my mental health and I would love to do that. And with someone who um, really sees Jesus as the as the point uh, a focus for human flourishing, um, then you can certainly uh, make that step and, and hit us up. That's so good, bro. Rich, thank you so much for this, man. I know that this is going to bless for a lot sure, of people, sure. man. Man, God bless you, bro, in everything you, that man. you're doing, man. Um, I'm praying really God give you the strength to push through. Please, please. I know counseling is challenging. Yes. And you're, you're a strong man. You're, you're a loving man. But I know... Uh, as good as this is, the enemy would like to use this would to hugely discourage, just discourage you. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, if you know a counselor, man, really be lifting them up. Be lifting them up because, yeah. you know, we're really on the front lines of pain and suffering, and it is so easy for us to just become discouraged. It is hard to be to remain hopeful when you are on the front line of bad news. And so mm. um, be praying that we would continue to shine the light of hope in Jesus. That's good stuff, bro. Mm. 
Well, thank you again, bro. I'm signing out, man. This is Bryant, the Theological Giant. Your boy, Rich the Counselor. What? You know what I'm saying? New nickname alert, Rich the Counselor. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was great. Uh, Bryant, always a pleasure to be here. Yeah, and yeah, sure. you guys have a great one. Yeah, man. And, and who knows, man? We might actually do, maybe do subtopics of this. No, nah, this would be great. I would love Because you were telling me that like, you had a whole host of things you could talk about. Absolutely. Just for Absolutely. entire episodes. You know what I mean? So we could, we could you know, dive down deeper into to things man because this is a huge issue that you know I think definitely needs to be explored yeah and I think I would encourage everybody who's sharing this episode um, to hit y'all up and be like yo City Image we would love to hear more on this or more yeah. of that that's yeah, good stuff sure. that's good stuff alright guys see you in the next one be blessed peace City Image